Hello and welcome along to the Big Breakdown podcast with me, your host, Chris Stafford. Um, the, the whole point of this is to try and create a new environment for, for us to share ideas, talk about coaching um, and what it actually looks like on the field. And so you don't have to listen to just my tones for this, uh, these episodes. Uh, I'd like to introduce my co-host for this journey, a uh, good friend of mine, someone I've coached with for a long time, Mr. Harrison Marshall. Hello, hello, how are we? Good, you? Good, good. Yeah, just um, just in, in, enjoying lockdown life as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're all used to that now, aren't we? Um, so I suppose uh, we just really talk about why we've we've decided to collaborate and come together and and put this together. Um, now my my view is that alongside a, a YouTube channel, which will be putting some videos out to support a lot of the content that we're talking about, um, the whole point of this is to try and. I like to coach just how we can really develop some good practice in our sessions and really push the game on a little bit from a coaching point of view. Yeah, I think that's you know I think when you explained that you know you know why you wanted to kind of create this podcast, it, that's what kind of drew me in. Um, you know, I don't think you know there's there's plenty of rugby podcasts out there now, um, but I think you know if we can you know and this what hopefully this podcast will bring, you know, is, is, is providing that context to to a lot of them and. You know, this would be quite be quite an interesting. You know, getting getting lots of different views from different people and and how they're actually implemented it, and hopefully we can create create that you know that that shared that shared coaching world. Yeah, definitely. And we've got a, an exciting uh, series one um, planned out for you. Um, we've got some some good guests lined up along the way, um, and and hopefully we'll we'll get some popularity and we can get onto a season two. We're probably in the process of putting a plan together for as well. So. Um, I suppose if we just quickly give an outline of, of um, our shared experiences, Harrison, just so uh, people have got an idea of our backgrounds, what we've come from. Um, so uh, I suppose the key bit is when we, we just when we first started coaching together at, at the Enzians in, um, in Leeds. Um, and, and that's where we started to put together some of the, the key concepts from the, the masters that we've done, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think um, yeah, it was the summer of 2017. Um, you know, I think you invited me along to to, to assist you down at Otley Enzians after after you got the uh, the head coach role. Um, I think that was your you just gone on to your second year of the Masters at that time, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think you know it was you know it was a, it was a, it was a cracking opportunity. I think it was my it was my first experience of coaching, you know, coaching adults. Um, you know, my only previous before that was, you know, on on a placement year for for my undergraduate degree. Um, you know, working with under under 14s in Leeds, so you know it was an opportunity that you know that was that that, that, that you know I gratefully gratefully took, um, and we had you know some good times there, didn't we? Yeah, 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 and, and, and a lot of that was 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 introducing um, just uh, some of the key principles of masters, really. So understanding who you're coaching, what you're coaching, and, and how you're going to coach it, um, and, and I think that's that is for everyone to be aware of is that's what's going to be the structure of, of this series so each episode we're going to be taking one of them key uh, elements and just discussing around it uh, what that actually looks like in reality i think if you look at a lot of the content that's out there at the moment it, it's there's, there's not a lot there that's sort of helping you discuss how to actually approach these things with your players and get that buy-in to create that high quality of a, an environment i suppose um so uh, I think what would be quite good, Harrison, what, what, from, from, from the Masters, what, what do you think is the, the, 
benefit of understanding that who what how and what what's it for? Um, I think firstly, you know, my you know, I think most coaches, you know, within the rugby up and down the country at, at multiple different levels, you know, are actually implementing their you know that who what and how. Um, but I think what the, the, the master's course, you know, really allowed, you know, I know for me, and you know, through conversations with you, you know, I think it really allowed me to gain a greater understanding of, of, of why those three factors are quite important. And until you actually think, I think until you actually consciously think about, you know, you know, how am I going to implement the understanding of the who, you know, creating the what and actually implementing the, the how, you know, I, I think it can really progress progress your coaching on it in, in in multiple different contexts in multiple different environments. Yeah, no, I think it's important to sort of maybe add some some context to that though as well. So understanding the who is is really getting to know your participant. That's going to be the the big bulk of what this episode is going to be about, and we'll, we'll come on to that a little bit later. Once you understand the the who, that's when you can look at the what, and and we'll be we'll be going in delving into that a little bit later on uh, in the series. But the the what is very much how you take this idea of what they call a mental model and turn that into some sort of a performance model that helps um, visualize, I suppose is the best way to say it, how you want to play. Um, you know, what, what's, what's great about that is everyone has a view of how the game should be played. Everyone's got this opinion. They're just not fully aware of it because they've not written it down yet. No, and that's you know, and this is what I think you know, the master's course really helped with in terms of it really helped visualize and uh, and actually put together you know that that understanding which helps you know clarify things and 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 brings the bring brings players and other coaches together if you're working within that coaching team. Um, yeah, and I think then that brings on to the how, and I think this is this is the key important bit is a lot of people have these visions and these ideas of what they actually want to do, but when it gets to actually presenting that in practice clarity isn't always there so we end up falling into the trap of being quite reactive with the sessions that we plan that might be connected to what happened on the weekend in the game rather than actually how does this fit in the bigger picture what is our vision for this area um, yeah. and I suppose the example I've sort of been given recently to some people is is that view around um, exit sets for example how the only time teams actually practice exit sets is in, is an unimposed unopposed environment, which is madness. But actually, you can create games to do within sessions that can present players with them problems to solve that make them easier when they go into the game. So, um, you know, I think that's an important thing about how you align them two together to set your objectives for the session. And if you've got them clear objectives, that makes what you're actually going to deliver. Um, more high quality, it's going to make uh, more problem solving for players and essentially, hopefully, contribute them to making uh, more informed decisions while while in the game. Yeah, well, that's I think that's the uh, that's the aim, isn't it? You know, I think as coaches, we've all got those experiences where where we we do all this meticulous planning, but then you know, one player gets a bit of rush rush of blood to not always their head, and it kind of just goes out the window, but. Yeah, in terms of creating, creating, you know, linking those three together of, of the who, what and how, you know, really does bring that team together in terms of that understanding of how the coach or the coaches um, want to play that game. And I think this is where the series, this series in particular, will really um, delve deep into, into creating those understandings to basically, you know, reach those performance outcomes. Yeah, definitely. So we'll, we'll uh, I suppose it's good sort of point to then turn that back on to trying to really understand the who and 
for me, I think it's first of all, and, and this might seem quite common to some people in terms of um, this view, but what is really important is to make that difference between when you're coaching kids all the way up to when you're coaching adults and the different stages that, that come with that. So um, I think we'll start with the, the low end of the spectrum, really, I suppose, the, the coaching yeah. kids, so the under sixes to, to probably under 12, I think we categorise them into them sort of breaks beforehand. So um, this actually aligns quite nicely to the, one of the first videos that's going out on the, the, the panel as well, which is around <laughs> five key considerations when coaching children. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, just, it's like you've planned it all out. <laughs> you'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> Some things never change. Um, but with that video, I, I'm discussing that around five key things that you need to be aware of when, when coaching children. That is, yeah, I think it, it does cover a lot of the higher age group, but it is more that under six to under 12 to start with around, or you, need, you don't need to worry about the rugby to start with. We've got a real, sport is a real powerful opportunity to develop people as well as sports skills. And I think first and foremost, one of the things that we need to do as coaches is to provide that safe and supportive environment. And that comes through realising that you are coaching children. It's not about win at all costs. It's about providing an, a good experience that's going to want them to keep coming back. Yeah, oh, oh, totally. And I think, you know, I think I remember going back to when I was playing as a child, you know, you the, the, the coaches that you kind of draw and you get that affinity to are those ones that, 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 that make it fun at that age, that make it engaging. And, you know, I'm, I remember I had a coach that just used to, was that win at all costs, that, you know, really performance driven. And it's just, I think it does alienate, it does, it does alienate those, you know, those kids. I think like you said, you know, if we can create, a, you know, an atmosphere and an energy that's, that's more fun and engaging, those, those, those kids are more likely to pick up the sport later on going forward. Oh, definitely. And I remember uh, when I first started doing college education for the RFU, uh, a uh, long time ago when they, they had the old level one which was designed around just coaching children yeah and, and one of the key things they sort of had on that there was a, a survey done uh, around why um about what people look forward to when they went down to the rugby club uh, with the kids of these age group and, and winning came 46 on the list it was behind what food was being served in the canteen afterwards that's so, important it is important that but, but that, this is the point, is understanding why are you participants going down? And the trends are, if they're under 6 to under 12, is because they're going down because the parents have, want them to be involved in rugby because of the, the these elements that we're talking about now, which comes on to point two around the, the, the social skills, the, what rugby rings around you know, um, teamwork, respect, enjoyment, discipline, sportsmanship, for example. Yeah. That's why people want to come down. So they're not necessarily got actually to start with I want to be a rugby player. They're going down because the parents are making that decision to take them down because of the values that come with it or because they've played themselves. So they're not overly bothered about winning to start with. And then it's how we then, a lot of them are still learning how to actually just be people. So the, the, the second consideration is how are we using our sessions to develop social skills, for getting them to work as part of a team um, through communication, connecting with others, building a character, actually building empathy for the people as well they're learning all these things through the sessions that they come to which is so, more you know which is it's really important not just not just in sport but in terms of in terms of life skills as well you know and uh, and kids at that age you know they are very they're, they're very impressionable they they, they they do pick up on 
on a lot of things and if we can you know if we as coaches can can really you know instill that at a young age then it definitely provides them with you know stronger opportunities going forward oh, i remember there used to be a very um powerful advert that nspcc used to do about children see children do and you know they will m mimic and copy behaviors of what we present so i think when you when we're coaching kids we need to be aware of understanding the who is that they're a child they're there to have fun and develop rugby alongside that as well as key social skills that, that you need to know to just be a good person so the first consideration was safe and supportive environment the second one was to develop social skills as well as sport specific skills um but the next one especially with that age group is is the emphasis on fundamental movements and we're going to have a whole uh, episode and a few videos dedicated to that uh went up in the series but fundamentals i mean you did sports science as your undergrad didn't you before you did the, the sports coaching masters so yes i think that's put me on the spot <laughs> well yeah try and test some of the stuff that you've remembered but you're probably you know i did sports studies and business management as an undergrad before i did sports coaching so i was never really on that science side but you must be fully aware of the importance of fundamental movements Oh yeah, definitely. You know, it, you know, it creates. It, it really does help them going forward in terms of their progressing through into in, into adolescence with, you know, with with those simple with those simple movements. Um, I think in the next episode we'll we'll really delve into that with with a good guest. Um, but yeah, no, it's you know providing them with that at a young age. You know, creates that stability and that balance within their within their movements. Um, within their movements going forward. That's my basic basic understanding of it. Um, um, yeah, when I did this, yeah. when I did the sport exercise science course, it was yeah a long time ago. Not a long time ago now, but it's yeah. Uh, I was more interested in the psychology bit, but yeah, the, what what I can remember is that yeah, the like I said, like I said previously, they're very impressionable at that age, and if they can pick up these good you know fundamental movement skills, you know, it really does help them in terms of that progression into you know le later on, whether that be in in rugby or or, or another sport. Yeah, it definitely it goes back to, you know, you've touched on stability there, but you've also got the actual object control and, and locomotor skills as well. So can they actually balance, twist, turn? Can they hold an object like the rugby ball? And can they actually move effectively, run properly, walk properly, jump, movement, them sort of skills? And we'll, we'll cover all that in, in more detail next next week. So but again, understanding that these kids, if, if we don't cover these fundamental movements with these children, then that's going to impact on their ability to perform some hard skills in rugby, pass, run. So I think that's why it really needs to be emphasised as why we need to understand that age group more about they're not just there for rugby, they're there for wider spot, wider development skills as well. Yeah. Then we need to bring in some, some game understanding. Now, the last time I coached under sixes and under sevens, Passing backwards was not something that were particularly uh, high on their agenda. It was more throwing the ball anyway. So I think that's where we've got to realise that run forward, pass backwards, although they're the key things that underpin the game, they're not actually that important until around under nines, I think it becomes more heavily policed in terms of the laws. And that's when the tackle's introduced as well. So for me, to focus on the key areas of the principles of play. So go forward, part, continuity, pressure. And then all that is underpinned by communication as well. You don't need to cover much more than that. Can they get the ball and run forward? Can someone follow them, follow them running into that, that space? Who thought, thought rugby was complicated, eh? Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of simple. Well, you know, we went even more complicated when we got onto the building of a performance model. But that is something that's that is um 
but we need to recognise that they are the simple, five simple really key areas of the game. I think it is important to add that although we are talking about a lot of generic coaching, we are probably going to lean more towards our rugby background on a lot of this. Some of that evidence. Yeah, um, but I think that's, I think that's just, you know natural. I think that's natural of coaches. You know, I think you know coaches. We're we're on here sharing our experiences and and you know throughout hopefully many episodes going forward, we'll be getting on other coaches to come in and share their experiences. And you know, I think it's not always about you don't always have to agree with another coach you don't always have to agree with you know with, with their style of doing it but we can you know it's important to have those discussions and have these discussions between us um because i know that you and i have, have had different opinions on, on a couple of things throughout our you know our, our, our coaching our coaching career together um but i, th- I think through discussions we you know, we're able to find that happy medium i think that you know, that does benefit the players that we are coaching yeah definitely um definitely. so I think it's important to have those differences. In terms of um, you know, dealing with dealing with kids, and you know, I know you you raised the point of um, you know, talking, you know, saying you know, we need to put the kids first. In terms of dealing with parent expectations as well, and how do you think those two kind of link together? So if we've got a parent that you know really is is that competitive, is that competitive competitive parent, you know, and that's 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 come down to watch a training session, and we've all we've, I think we've all experienced them as coaches. It is, yeah, and you know, I think there's a. Probably get saying this, but I'll say it anyway. I've got to lose. But a, a, a lot of pe- a lot of the time, you know, when kid parents tend to get their kids down in sport, it's you know they are trying to live some of their own dreams through through their kids that they can. And you can look at me like that, but there is that <laughs> level of expectation that you know everyone wants their kids to be the best they possibly can be that's the natural parent instinct to have so you want them to try and achieve the dreams that you might have had when you were a child now that's not mean that you're going to be the pushy parent you just kind of expose them to as much varied and different opportunities as you can that's my point and i'll probably go about that in quite a direct and random way but i think that is how everyone wants the best for their kids but what what we need to sort of be able and confident to do with as coaches is to be able to address some of these yeah. problems when they come up. I think what, what happens quite a lot is because a lot of the coaches that generally end up that we're trying to speak to here, they've all because of, they've all end up being volunteers because they've played the game or um, then they've took their kids down to the rugby club because they want them to be active, they want them to be healthy. So they generally either go, they usually try and go in coach or they've always been coached. Which obviously with kids isn't necessarily the right way to go about it. It's, it's recognising that first consideration that I spoke about around that safe and supportive environment. And that comes from being on the field, but also the touchline. So can we challenge big behavior as and when it appears? So emphasizing to the parents in meetings that this is why we're here. We're here to provide a safe, supportive environment that develops social skills and rugby skills and fundamental movements in line. This is why we're down here. This is what our values are. This is what we're going to stick to. But then I think I think it also links back to um, I think one of the main one of the key phrases that kind of stuck with me during the masters course that we we're both on is is um, is start with the end in mind. And you know when we're dealing with kids, you know we we're we're coaching them right at the beginning of their journey, and we're hoping that they go and have a long, hopefully not all of them, but go and have a long successful career in rugby. You know, and if we can start with that end in mind, so we start with that, you know, how they're going to be as an adult, let's really, let's really imprint these positive behaviours at a younger age so they don't, so they manifest into something a little bit more successful going forward. 
that, that is an important point because traditionally what happens is you start coaching with an age group and you'll follow that age group all the way through. So, you know, you're learning as you go because it, each thing's change on the year that you go. The kids are changing in terms of their stage of development as well. So it, it, if we've got that continuity throughout, then it, it, it makes that transition up the age groups, I think, that a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of you know, with that transition, what's kind of like the main key focuses then for if we're progressing on from under under 12s to the under 13s and, and above into those adolescent years then? I think you've still got to emphasise them social skills. I think you've still got to be encouraging them to be things like empathy and working with others because I think they're important skills that we, we go in. We can just start then looking at more rugby specific skills. So that's where, you know, you want to be playing a lot more of your developing skill acquisition type games. So 360 games, smaller any direction with that emphasis on them, key principles of play of go forward support, continuity pressure and communication. And there's been a lot of stuff already out there now around the different types of games that you can do to develop that. But I think if you can make them games fun with a that emphasis of how it relates to the wider picture of the game, then I, I think that that's quite important. Oh, I think I, I think I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I think I think because under thirteens we go to we go to full size pitches, don't we? Um, yeah. And I think that's when the competitiveness really, really begins becomes a, becomes that main driver. And I think it's you know it's that fine balance because you know the reason why these kids are still engaging in the sport is because they like that the majority of them like that competitive edge because it's it, it's sport and sport is competitive by nature. Um, but it's it, it's it is a, it is a very difficult balance between. Know, usually, when they've got to that age, it's because like you say the they've now got an interest in the sport. They now want to kick on and develop as best they can. Some of them might be playing it regularly at the school that they're at. Some of them might have then started to get, I think the DPP starts at, at, at under 13s, under 14s as well, doesn't it? So some of them might start getting identified or wanting to progress on to some of these age groups. Um, but they've got this, they've got a hook for it then. You've got them engaged. They're there because they want to become better players. Um, but what should have, if, if we've covered everything beforehand, around fundamental movement, development of key core skills, then it could make that transition into more of these games that, that little bit easier, because they'll have a lot of the, these skills that they need already a, a little bit more of a higher level, which will then hopefully transition with better results in terms of um, the objectives that we set in sessions. So they'll find some goals a lot easier, and that's when it really challenges as coaches <clears throat> to be aware of levels of differentiation. So are we setting objectives that everyone in the session can get to this point? Most might get to this point, but some, the high flyers, will pick on and do the next bit. And that's when it starts to challenge us that a little bit differently and from a coaching point of view, because we've got to be clear that the outcomes that we're setting for the sessions are relevant to that age stage of development where the participants are. Yeah, and this is where, you know, understanding of players is becomes you know even more important and and breaking down and, and having those good personal relationship with those players to you know to under, to, to have that understanding of, the, of their first of all their skill level um you know so we can start to tailor you know we can individualize practice a little bit more we can we you know we can give certain players a you know they call it a superpower i think um potentially in one game um but then also through understanding of of where they are on a personal level as well in terms of you know, developmental stage. Um, you know, I think there's there's plenty of you know people have been out and, and spoken about you know how 
growing up through adolescence and what that does both on the body and mind i think you know, as, as as two grown men now we've we've experienced that firsthand um i think you know i like to think i'm still experiencing it at a relatively young age still um but it's yeah i think weighing up and understanding how big some of these transitions are for, for, for these for these kids you know i think going from under uh, you know under 11s to under 12s and then under 12 to 13 that's that's some big years at school that you know potentially they're moving school into you know, joining secondary and you know and this is where it links back to creating a an engaging environment that you that you brought that you that you brought up previously um you know, and that, that does still play a pivotal role. And this is where I think that fine balance between creating a competitive edge in which you want to drive these players on to want to succeed, but then also you know, creating that safe, and, uh, safe, secure and enjoyable environment. Yeah, I mean, I know with the, there is no, and this is one thing I like about rugby, there is no emphasis on leagues around that age group for, for younger age. Uh, from, I mean, they generally don't start until folk style, but... <laughs> I don't think that means that what we we do have a duty, although winning isn't important, and the reason why we do need to make sure that they are aware of, of becoming good winners and good losers at the same time. And I think that is an important aspect that we need to to encourage because, you know, do you not agree? You just to look. Oh no, it's, it's yeah, it's at that age. Yeah, it, teaching them to be a good loser is, is massive. I just I just think it's funny that as soon as you get to to eighteen, you're in an adult environment. You can't, there's no such thing as a good loser. <laughs> No, no, and, it's, it's, and maybe it's a it's, it's a flaw within the rugby, but you know it's yeah. But I mean, being grateful, being graceful in in defeat. I think you know one oh. of the phrase, one of the key phrases that I learned from you know, a different sport. But when I did you know did, did karate growing up, um, and I didn't didn't get the bout one certain time. I mean, my sensei at the time, you know, he said, you know, when you lose, it makes winning feel a little bit more sweeter. And it's actually creating that grateful attitude and that respect to, you know, we are on a coaching and, and developing players is a process and, uh, and that process takes longer for some and, and doesn't for others. You know, I think that's, that, you know, that's, I think that's the, the point I just wanted to get across there. I just yeah, like yeah definitely. But I think that is important to understand in understanding the who, because like you say, that because of their adolescence and the other things that are going on, they've not really made that connection. They're just, they're just going to be really, they're going to be disappointed, but it's, it's then how we approach that as coaches to develop that as a social skill that all these things happen. How do we react? How do we change? What do we need to do to make it better? So don't emphasize on, yeah, mention that the result, what's happened, but we don't make that the be all and end all. We talk about how we turn that into a positive. That's probably what I want to try and talk about there. Because again, that goes back to how we develop people. And I think this is the key thing throughout. Yes, as coaches, we, we want to develop the best of the players we can. And if I was coaching at that age group now, I'd probably judge my success, not on the, my success will be personally judged on how many people I've still got playing up through uh, whenever they left at 15, 16 and go on to someone else, rather than actually what we've achieved each season in terms of results. So if I've still got a big playing base all the way through, that's found the, the environment I've created, the behaviours that I've used as coach, the social skills that I've developed, that they're all fairly competent players, that, that would be my judge of success. Does that make sense? I wouldn't be yeah. overly worried about yeah, how many games we've won or lost. It would be, but actually, if I've still got a lot of people at my sessions, then that shows that I must be doing something right. Yeah, but I also think there's, there's a strong link between, you know, if we are developing players in the right, in the right environment, and in, in, in the right way, then 
there's no reason for why positive positive results in terms of winning or losing don't don't come on the pitch as well. Yes, you might come up against a club that just has naturally stronger rugby players, but if we can you know, create an environment in which players want to play for a start, more they're more likely to go out there and, and, and want to perform. And you know, I don't you know, I think I think we we I think we've got to be careful in terms of how we coach in that we don't don't take away like that that competitive drive um, because that is that is a massive aspect of sport. Um, but I do I do agree that it, it, it is a fine balance between creating creating that competitive edge and and actually providing an environment which these 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 players want to come back. Yeah, and then I think how how you would sort of start bringing looking at the age stage once they then start getting to fifteen up. I think that's when we need to start looking at more tactical elements of the game and start really bringing in them complexities of of the sport. Yeah. We'll know from the environments that we've worked in that we've seen 18-year-old lads come into rugby programmes who have all the skill. They are some of the most talented, skillful players I've seen, but they do not have a clue how to play rugby. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, we've, yeah. We've got hookers that can kick down fields and you know do a good kick chase or kick the ball and intercept them themselves. We've got all these great core skills, but then actually being able to implement that to in a more competitive environment where... There is now this emphasis on the result. The pressure gets to them because they've not got the understanding of tactically what they need to do where. Yeah, and, and I know that we, you and I both coached. Um, you and I both coached at you know Le- Leeds Beckett. Um, we were I think the first year together. We were the threes and fours coach, and we were really focused on that development squad. Do you think that was the most difficult thing when it came to coaching that group of players? Was actually understanding, you know taking the time to understand everyone and, 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 and who they were and, and what they brought and their understandings. Well, yeah, I mean, we had a, we had a playing base in that first year of 180 players. And that, that was from the first team down to the 15. So it's a, it's a, it's a big chunk of people to, to, to work with. Um, and like I say, you can identify a good player from the skills. And when you've got that many players and they're all displaying some of the key core skills that we need of that past run, that's the easy bit then what we found was then you drop them into a game where it would be the third team where you'd be getting on a bus and going across to York to play their first team with a third team and and that's when the skills they've got them but they come under under pressure when that element of actually putting them into practice in a competitive league game comes in and I suppose that goes back to the point I made earlier about when, when we're under 15s Again, the result isn't important. The result is important, but not important at the same time, if that makes sense. But it's how we replicate them different types of pressures. So are we be able to create a game-based scenario in training that will expose the players to the types of decisions that they've got to make? Yeah, and I think you know, I think you and I both have have, have this experience that you know, when we are when we have coached at this university level, when we're taking these these first year students in, you know. Sometimes we're not picking the the most skillful players because you know they don't have that understanding. Um, you know, so and you they'd get frustrated because they'd come up to you and say, "Oh, what do we need to work on?" And it's actually when you're at that level, it's it does take I think it takes a little bit more time to to create that game understanding that 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 will help them progress a little bit quicker. So if we can, you know, if we can get that in at, around that under under 15s, under 16s, then moving into 17s and 18s, would you know 
I think does help massively, absolutely massively. I think that mirrors back into understand going back to understanding the who because I think that's what the players want. I think there's a lot of stuff out there around you know playing these 360 games and creating um, multi-directional games to look at the, the broader sense of, of of skill acquisition, and that's great, and I'm fully behind all of that. But we also need to start integrating these players into actually how to play rugby. So what do we need to look for inside the 22? And you can still play games like that. You've just got to, it's how you constrain the game to bring that out. So I think that's what, that's where the changes are. So you've got them under six to under 12. It's all about that fundamental movement, core skills, just getting them interested in rugby. You start fine tuning them skills and making them more aware, 360 games, playing go forwards and forward continuity. And then that's when they start getting to 15s and they've got all these skills in the locker probably makes it easier then to do more technical and tactical. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and I don't think it's 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 you know coaches we need to focus on one over the other, you know, because the worst thing you can do is, and well, I think we've both I've experienced it definitely that we've had players that tactically understand the game better than anyone, but because they don't have that technical ability or they've not worked on that technical ability, that's where they've suffered. So, you know, in terms of, you know, developing young rugby players, it's, it's, it's developing that whole player and that whole player is, you know, that, that, that do they tactfully understand the game? Yes. Do they, do they have the technical skills to actually, you know, meet those tactical outcomes? Well, yes, they do. And, you know, if they've got those two fundamental understand those two fundamental areas, they can pretty much I think, walk into walk into any any sort of any sort of environment or any sort of club and actually be a benefit to benefit to that club. Definitely. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I suppose just as a, a quick recap on where we're at so far. So we've sort of covered around some of the five key considerations for that under six to under twelves around environment, fundamentals, social skills core skills, game understanding, more skill act from under 13s to under 15s, changes the different dynamic of the games, but still with an emphasis focused on that social skills. 15s up start, still then social skills I think are still important to be included because it's developing the whole, they are still the young adults, but they are still children within that as well, more the social skills elements, but with a more technical and tactical understanding of the game layer. Well, that then brings us into what changes when we start looking in the adult game then. So from your perspective, you understanding the who in an, in an, in an, in an, in an, an adult environment, with a mouthful, um, what, what's important? Why is that important, first of all? Um, well, I think it's important um, because, you know, We've all coached, you know, we coach, we coach in different environments. And if you're at different ends of the spectrum, whether you're coaching a community game or, or more towards the elite, you know, we've got to understand the, the, the main drives and motivations of our players. So if we, you know, you know for example, if, if I was to go into, in, into a community rugby club, um, you know, I'd want to understand, I'd want to get to know the players on, on that personal level and actually, you know, gain that understanding of, of why they're here. Why are you participating with people? Because you're not being—they're not being paid at that level. You know, what gets you to the club on a Tuesday or a Thursday or any other time during the week, and then again week in week out on a Saturday throughout the whole season? Um, yeah, when it's when it's raining sideways, what's motivating them to come down from their warm living room in December to to train at rugby? 
I, I think I love that question about coaching in, in, in that weather as well. <laughs> the beauty of working when we're working at the Indians, you can you can look out the window and still see the pitch. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's right next to the bar. With a radiator just in front of the window. <laughs> yeah, it does, have a, it does have a bonus to that. But I, I do, I think that's really important, you know, and, and, and this is where, I, you know, I think it's good to talk about the, what happened when we first went to Otley because one of the reasons I took on that project was that project was I knew that they had a, a really good set of players there that were probably backing below their average, that they had all the skills of being to a, a lot of them had gone to school together. There was a good culture. They all wanted to be, they were all good rugby players. They just lacked that general game understanding. The stuff that I thought I could bring from the masters to it around the, the mental model, understanding the what. We, we came in Iceland, I asked them 10 questions before we started and, and they were they were the 10 questions that um, the vice chancellor at the university, he came in and did a talk on our module called Understanding Expertise. And he, he said that when he first came in, he, he asked these 10 questions and he got all staff to do it and he worked out the, the key sort of elements to it. And, and, and I thought, well, actually, that's a, if you're going into an environment, that's an important thing to be able to do because it allows you to then align and set the objectives that you want. So that the questions I asked were, um, first of all, which playing squad are you participating in? So I think that's really important because you've got an idea of who's going to inter interact with the sessions, who's going to try and turn up. What do you like about the club? Uh, what would you like to remain the same in training and match day? What would you like to change at training and match day? Um, is there anything you're worried about might change? Um, what do you think the current strengths are in the team's playing style? What do you think the current weaknesses are in the team's playing style? What do you think the club's vision should be uh, going into the new season? What is your individual ambition as a player? And I think that's really important. And I think we'll come back to that sort of in a second about understanding the who and why that's important. Um, and then is there anything else uh, you feel you'd like to comment on ready for the new season? So the 10 questions I sort of came up with. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was really useful process from what you might change because they all came and said the same stuff that I'd already had in my head that we were going to come in and do around the, the needed a set attacking set of principles and defensively. Like, but what's mad is they could attack. The, the year that the year before I went there, they scored 642 tries, but conceded 380 or something yeah. like that, maybe 400. But it was great. It was clear that they could play attacking rugby and score tries. And with the backline that they had, that was perfectly clear as well because it was it was a good trend of ours. But defensively was an issue, yeah. Um, and we needed to come in and set up a, a, a system of play for that. So that that allowed me to then shape what our preseason would look like in terms of the what. So I could tailor it to make sure that we had high engagement quickly because I got to the players and asked them what they wanted to work on, and we worked on it straight away. And um, we got that buy-in quite quickly. Yeah, um, and I think I think you know I think also when you're working with adults. You know, in particular, it's, you know, it can be quite a time consuming process to, to actually get to know these players. And I think, you know, I think we did this, you know, quite well in that in that first year. Um, you know, myself, you and and Quinny, we should mention Quinny, you know, or we'll get a bit upset. Um, you know, the, the three of us, you know, we took the time to, you know, post session, pre session to actually go and speak to these players on an, on an individual level. Um, and I think, you know, yes, I, I understand that some coaches don't have that ability due to, due to, due to, due to time uh, and pressures that, you know, are, that are external to, to rugby. 
I think that really benefited benefited us that year. Um, I think that, that goes back to that personal relationship. Oh, uh, and I think that goes back to that that question nine of what is what is your individual ambition as a player? Because we had lads there that could have stepped up to to the, the national league clubs, whether it was Ilkley, Otley, uh, Harrogate, as an example. Yeah. Um, but we needed to. They needed twelve months to to be exposed to a more professional environment to be able to take make that step up. Um, so by understanding that, it gives us an idea of actually what is our player cycle turnaround potentially going to be like. If we give these players that experience and them skills, we need to make sure that we've got a foundation of more coming through. And that's where Finney really stepped up as well with that the Colts area as well and, and working in trying to get that up and running because that, that sort of set that base level that we needed for more players coming through. Um, but it was interesting when we were chatting the other day, you made up a, a good po- good comment within a, the um, a, an adult environment. It's not just managing the players; it's, it's how you manage up. Yeah, uh, and I think that's that, 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 that's vital. Um, don't get me wrong; I, my, I still my firm belief is that the players players wants and needs will, will, will come first. Um, but then, you know, I think I've spoken with coaches and I've experienced it myself being, you know, a head coach at an adult club. Um, you, know, you have to be able to gain that understanding of what the club want themselves. And when, I, when we talk about managing up, that's, you know, right, the committee, the committee you meet once once a month, you know, they've got their expectations of what they want from the club. Um, some committees want the club to really progress on and, and, uh, and progress up through the leagues, whereas you know some clubs are you know, they're, they're content, they're happy with you know getting good numbers into the club, getting good money behind the bar, you know creating a, a good atmosphere there is, is is their main is their main drive, and I think you know as a coach, that's important to know um, because it's it can increase or decrease certain pressures that that, that you place on yourself, and and actually change the focus of of what you want from your your playing group depending on on what the outcomes are or what or what the you know the the, the hierarchy want but you're right because the, the the it all starts on more people who come down by the environment that you create on the pitch so by understanding where they want to be and where they want to go and it was quite i mean to be, in all fairness on looking back on it going into there was was quite an easy transition but for two reasons one the players that were available and, and their ambition of where they wanted to go, but two, the fact that they'd had that power of the national cup with the potential to play at Twickenham, that gives people that motivation to come down. It, it made the job a little bit easier going into that environment. And like I said earlier, it, this is a long, difficult process in a lot of cases. And I was still a student, so I did have time to, to, to do that. But if you plan it out right, it can, it can have a, a massive positive impact in not only what happens on the field but also what happens off the field yeah oh and and, it's, and there are ways that you know it doesn't always have to be that con- time consuming you know i don't want to you know scare you know scare coaches into thinking that it's become the, the the be all and end all of life it could be you know a five minute catch up with a player who's who's at the bar after training or you know a 10 minute catch up with them after after a game before before you have to go and do something else but you know those smaller interactions off the pitch and away from away from that environment actually potentially sometimes are more beneficial than than than, than talking to them on the on, on the pitch during a session yeah because we used to have the, the first half hour from seven to half past was, was where players could come down and do their own individual thing 
So that, that's an opportunity then where if they did want one-to-one feedback, they could book in, they could come down, they could speak, we could work on on, on a specific skill that they, they wanted to do. So yeah. like uh, Murph, our fullback, really wanted to work on his on his kicking because he was very much a running fullback, but he was aware in how we needed to play at times he needed to be confident at kicking at the same time. So he came down and worked with with Pato, who came down and sort of did some kicking with him as well. So it's yeah, it's it's recognizing why your players are there, what they want and what they want to work on. And again, because it's amateur, especially in the environment that we were working in there, it was down to the players on commitment levels and enjoyment that brought them down there. They weren't financially incentivized to be there. No. It, it's really important to get an understanding of what they want. Because oh, that's, gonna, that's gonna get them to come back. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. So uh, I think that's I think we've covered all the relevant sort of age stages there. It's been um, been relative. relative I think we've gone into some quite good, good detail there. Uh, I suppose the, the key thing to emphasise is this is very much sort of a an information sharing point. Really, we'll, we'll, the, there'll be more stuff going on the YouTube channel around how you can do this, and and, and I think next week we've got a, a really. Um, a really good episode with uh, Christine Sharple from Bare First Conditioning, who's going to come on. And um, I mean, I work with Christine uh, at the RFU. He's, he's now um, an SNC coach and doing some, some stuff within uh, football academies. But I think it's going to be a, a really good to get him on to understand going back to working with kids around why fundamental, fundamental movements are important and the long term benefit that they've got in terms of benefiting players. Um, and I think that, that's when we'll, we'll be getting more into the, the meat and bones about actually stuff that you can take on to your your practice. I think this is just sort of episode one, outlaying over what, what we're actually going to try and achieve over this next sort of an episode journey, really. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think going forward, we'd, we'd love to hear, I think we'd love to hear lots of different stories about how people have, have, have really got to understand their who from, from their own environments. I think it's, it'd be quite interesting to... You know, like I said, like we said at the start of the podcast, um, you know, the start of this episode, you know, we want to create, and we want to it'd be nice to create a, a nice coaching, a coaching world in which we can share, share and express these different ideas. And you know, if there's any ideas out there, please. Yeah, I think, the, I think the words are communities of practice. I think is the uh, the key buzzword in these environments at the moment. But you're right. I think you know definitely if if you know if you listen to this on your your phone, try and find the. The, the YouTube channel where the, there is a video of this uh, conversation if you really want to see it. Um, but comment below, comment below on the video with your experiences of understanding your participants or any questions that you want around how we could tailor these questions a little bit further on and we can do short videos to, to help give you more content on that. Um, we've very much spoken on a on a rugby club environment here, but the, there's probably teachers that, that might need some support with this as well as you know, uh, people working in other universities that might want an idea of how to best engage these players when they come on that we might be able to come up with some content for. So, um, yeah, if you've got any ideas you want us to try and look at anything that you want us to, to cover, then just, just comment below on the video, um, subscribe to the channel, and we'll, we'll try and put some content together for people. We so, shall. We shall. Yeah, episode one. Done. Done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're trying to click onto that bit of Yorkshire, aren't you, Harrison? You know, you've lived to Yorkshire. So, guys, thanks for listening. <laughs> I like to think I'm an adopted Yorkshireman now. Yeah. Um, 
I grew up down south and now I'm living back down south, but I spent six years and the family live in Yorkshire, so I'll go with adopted Yorkshireman. All right. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you for uh, listening to episode one. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you found it informative. Um, like I say, head to the YouTube channel, uh, like, subscribe, or comment to the video, and uh, we'll see you next week for, uh, with, with Christian from Barefoot's Condition. Goodbye. Yeah, bye.